You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. One line and miss, and Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Welcome to A's Cast Live from the loudest stadium in the history of professional baseball. As uh, we're going to be having Stranger Things fireworks tonight as the Athletics are going to start a 10-game homestand the longest of the season where they're going to have three against the Seattle Mariners starting tonight, and then Baltimore comes in for three, and then a four-game homestand against the Tampa Bay Rays. It's been a very interesting 24 hours here in the East Bay at this property. As we talked about yesterday, as we know all A's fans are actually Warrior fans too, We talked a little bit about it because our show was on as the Warriors started game six of the NBA Finals against the Toronto Raptors. And in the end, it was a disastrous game for the Golden State Warriors as not only would they lose, but they would lose Klay Thompson. And Klay Thompson would go down with the knee injury. And it was a very, very tough way to end what was looking to be one of the most historic runs. But it really compares to what we see with certain teams in the East Bay and certain runs that they have had, these five-year runs. And you think about how the A's have had their five-year run and the same thing with the Raiders and their five-year run. Now, for the A's and the Raiders, this all happened in the 70s. And we're going to go over this. We've got to tell you, we got some great guests coming up for you today. Marcus Simeon is going to join us probably around 4.20. I know we put out on Twitter a certain time, but things have changed a little bit here on A's Cast Live. So we believe we're going to have Marcus right after batting practice around 4.20. And then right after him, we're going to have Matt Williams. I've been waiting to talk to Matt. Matt obviously was a terrific player. When I was growing up, he was the premier third baseman in baseball. We'll talk to Matt coming up here probably right after Marcus Simeon will be around 4.30. And then Dave Dave Sims, the voice of the Seattle Mariners, will join us sometime around 4.45 as we'll start getting you ready for this series. It's an early game today, so that's why we're going to jam. It's going to be jam-packed bringing people down. And then joining us live will be David Force will come down to our table. Of course, for home games, we're here right on the field, right by the third base dugout. So if you ever can see us, come down and say hello. So that's the way it's going to go. It's going to be Simeon coming up at 420. Matt Williams probably around 430. Dave Sims with the Seattle Mariners at 430. And then David Forrest, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, will be here at 5 o'clock. So looking at the run for the Warriors, 
five years, three titles. The two times that they did not win, that, of course, was against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and that was in the NBA Finals, and then now the Toronto Raptors, as they do not beat Toronto in the NBA Finals. But what a run it was for this group of Golden State Warriors. We have no idea what they will look like. And the one thing that really hurts about Klay Thompson, as much as I love Klay Thompson, is Klay's been the one guy that comes out to A's games. Klay's come out and thrown out the first pitch. Klay's just shown up, had a ticket, sitting behind home plate with an A's hat on. He's a big baseball fan. Obviously, we know about his brother, Trace, but we know that Klay is an A's fan. So to see him go down last night really, really hurt. And you look at the A's run, their five-year run. The A's, they lost in the American League Championship Series to the Orioles in 1971. They would win the World Series in 1972, win the World Series in 1973, and they'd win the World Series in 1974. Then changes started happening, but yet still the A's would win. In 1975, they would lose the American League Championship Series to the Boston Red Sox. So you look at the Warriors' five straight years, you can look at what the A's did in the 70s for their five straight years was very, very impressive. And how many times have we talked about it with Ray Fossey? And even when we've celebrated these teams of 72, 73, and 74, and they all said to a man, if Charlie Finley wouldn't have been so afraid of free agency, what the A's could have done long term. Could they have won four in a row? Could have been five in a row? And that's the thing about these dynasties that you truly have to appreciate because you think it's going to go forever. You think you're just going to win forever. When you're in that moment, you're like, how can these guys ever be beaten? But things happen in life. And for the A's, it was about an owner being cheap and was afraid of free agency. For the Golden State Warriors, I don't know what they're going to look like long term because of the injuries you have two guys, two of your prime players were injured in June. And Achilles, when you have to have surgery on your Achilles tendon, that usually is around a year. Knee injuries, it depends on the player. Guys will, do, will come back faster, but these guys are such valuable commodities. Will you want them to come back faster? We have no idea what this run is going to look like long term. But for these three titles in five years, unbelievable. The Raiders... The Raiders went to five straight AFC Championship games beginning in 1973 and would finally prevail, and they would take down the Minnesota Vikings in the Super Bowl. So we have seen some real historic runs here in the East Bay on this property. And the thing that I know now, and I really know, because I was talking to Brody Brazil, who Brody will be with us next Friday, great A's fans. Uh, of course, the host of A's pre- and post-game live. Brady said to me before the game, and I think this has happened to a lot of people, where a lot of people last night finally realize this is it for the Warriors in Oakland. They will never play in Oakland again. They are now a San Francisco franchise. And soon, probably after this year, the same thing with the Raiders. And that's why the A's have gone with Hashtag rooted in Oakland. The A's are staying. The A's aren't leaving. They're keeping their business. They're keeping their tax dollars. They're keeping everything here in Oakland. 
for the Golden State Warriors, that will be no longer. I know they're a Bay Area team, but they are now going to be really a San Francisco team. To see the Golden State Warriors, you're going to have to go to San Francisco. You're not going to Oakland anymore. And the realization with that loss last night, everybody knows that's it. Now, Oracle will still host events. And the A's, hopefully, once this deal gets done with, with Alameda County, the A's will be running Oracle. And they'll be in business with the city of Oakland. And they'll be running the Coliseum here. And what they will do with the joint projects. If you listen to the build that we have with Dave Cavill, a, 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 a dual space deal is kind of his thing. You take two different properties, you build the stadium with one in one property, you use the other property to help you pay for the stadium. This is something that is not new for Dave Cavill. As Dave Cavill has said, it's kind of his thing. So what you do is you'll build at Howard Terminal and you'll use the location here of the Coliseum and all the property and everything that they want to do to help build what they're going to do at Howard Terminal. But we are getting ever so close to the A's being the only team in Oakland. And I can tell you, I'm glad that when we roll up now, we're never going to have to deal with parking problems again. <laughs> never never going to have to deal with that ever, whether it's a Raider game or an A's game, especially for an A's game. Because we always, I mean, when you have two teams playing at the same location, you just, and you have this many people showing up, not only fans-wise, but when you're thinking about all the people that are going to show up that work, uh, there always seems to be issues. We're never going to have that issue again. But I thought it was very, very interesting how Brody brought that up. Like, I mean, Brody's a guy in the media. He knows. He was like, wow, it really hit me last night. They're out of here. They're never going to play in Oakland again. And the A's... They are your team, and they are going to be your team long-term. But I just want to bring up that five years as, as in the East Bay in professional sports, five-year runs, whether it was the A's in the 70s, the Raiders in the 70s, or it was the Warriors, what they have just done, you've seen some pretty special times on this ground whether it's here at the Oakland Coliseum where we are right now doing A's Cast Live or it's over at Oracle. And for me, you know, the most special moments of my broadcast career have all come here. And I was very fortunate the last two years to host the Warriors pre- and post-game show and take the Warriors to two straight NBA titles. And really one of the cool things for me that I got to do two straight years was I got to host the parade on their flagship station. And I think of all the great times that I've had doing Raider football here at the Coliseum. And then, of course, all the great times that we've had doing A's baseball. And it's funny, even though the A's, it's kind of like the We Believe. There's so many people with the We Believe team who are in, just in love for the We Believe team. The We Believe team brought so much to, to Warrior fans as they would win again and they'd come out of nowhere and they'd shock the Mavericks. That, for me, is the 2012 A's. That was the most fun I've ever had in my career. That team was so special what they were able to do. 
And even though that team didn't get past Verlander in game five, which if they did, if they could have got past Verlander, what that would have been like, could the A's made a run at the World Series? We'll never know. But to be at one point 13 and 13 and a half games back of the Texas Rangers, and I remember on the A's postgame show, just kept saying, reel them in. Just reel them in, because we've got that set against them at the end of the year. Just keep reeling them in. And Texas kept losing. The A's kept winning. And there was the showdown that came down to the last day. The only time in Major League Baseball history that it came down to the last day where a team had not, not led the division at all and then won the division at the end of that game. So they technically, they never led the division in all 162 games. Because they went into that last game, 162 tied. They had never led the division in, in, until that final game was over. So they never led the division in season. The season once that last out, uh, Josh Hamilton misses that ball. Next thing you know, the craziness happens here. Once that last out hit, season was over. So they never, they're the only team ever to do that. And the, the, the memory I, uh, that will be with, with me forever is after that game, I think I went on for like three hours taking phone calls. And I'll never forget when the players with the wives and the girlfriends and they came out, Johnny Gomes has the took the hose from uh, Clay Wood. He's spraying people in the stand. Like nobody got to see this stuff. There was only a, like a few people left. Most people were out of here. They were partying in the parking lot because you didn't think the players were going to come out onto the field. You thought they were just going to be partying uh, they were just going to be partying inside the clubhouse. But there were some fans that I, I don't know, I don't remember how they got to stay in here because usually they clear you out. Johnny Gomes is spraying them with the hose. People are going nuts. And then all the players with the wives and the girlfriends went out onto the mound and they took this huge group photo. And it was a cool, and I'm basically doing the play-by-play -play of what is going on on the field. And I'm taking calls at the same time. And then they all leave. And I'll never forget, there was just a mound of Bud Light, you know, the blue aluminum cans. It was a bunch of Bud Lights and champagne bottles just sitting right there. That's, that's all that was left. And the other thing from that season that I will never forget, and if you're a longtime A's fan, I think you'll know this, is after game five, that was one of the toughest broadcasts I've ever had because no one wanted it to end. And I know there are people who are crying, calling in, but what really got everybody is Bob Melvin called into the show on his way home. Bob listens to the show. Bob calls on the way home because he wanted to thank the A's fans for such a great year. And still to this day, there's people who tell me, I got so emotional listening to Bob that I had to pull over in my car. 2012 will always be a special year for me. That group of players, getting to know those players, it was heartbreaking as they would start to leave one by one. But 2012 will always be a year for me that I will never, ever forget. And that's what great teams do for you. 
great teams, you have that bond with them, whether it's the Warrior teams or the Raider teams or the A's teams. You have these great bonds with these teams. Hopefully, we're going to have that great bond with this team this year. So Marcus Simeon is out at shortstop. He is taking some ground balls. And we think we're going to get him sometime around 420-ish. We're calling it 420-ish. we got to be flexible when you're out here on the field. You never know when exactly they're going to show up. All I know is we're going to be ready for him. Marcus Simeon right now with a 10-game hitting streak, a career high recently, the American League Player of the Year. He is absolutely killing it. We're live from the field giving you all the details of everything that's going on. The start of a 10-game homestand. We got fireworks tonight. We got the Matt Olson gold glove bobblehead tomorrow. Boy, this is going to be a great homestand for the athletics. It's A's Cast Live on A's Cast powered by TuneIn. Now is the time to secure your own terrace table with seating for two or four people to eat, drink, and cheer the A's right from these amazing new half-moon tables. With awesome in-seat ordering and exclusive discounts, this might be the best seat in the house. So grab your friends, family, or coworkers and come out early for a great day at the ballpark. To learn more about the terrace and some of the other exciting new ballpark locations, visit athletics.com slash premium today. Want to take home half of the 50-50 pot? This season, you'll have even more opportunities to test out your luck. The Oakland A's Community Fund will host a 50-50 raffle at every home game in 2019. Tickets are sold from gates opening through the last out of the sixth inning, from raffle sellers or at the kiosk at Section 217. The winner will be announced in-game and will receive 50% of the jackpot, with the remainder benefiting the Oakland A's Community Fund. Learn more at athletics.com raffle. Free parking, free drinks, and maybe even your favorite A's players flying into your lap. The Field Box is a great way to entertain clients or enjoy a game with your family and friends. Located next to each dugout, now is your time to get in on the action right from the field. To learn more about the Field Box and other premium seating options, visit athletics.com premium or call us at 510-638-GO-A's. That's 510-638-4627. 510-638-4627. If you love chicken pies and a dynamic menu, then you're going to love the chicken pie shop of Walnut Creek. You have to try their world-famous chicken pie dinner, which has been served in Southern California for 80 years. That's a chicken pie shop right off Main Street in downtown Walnut Creek, located at 1251 Arroyo Way. Parking's easy, perfect for events, daily drink and food specials, and best of all, great food. Check out their menu at chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com, right off Main Street, Walnut Creek. A's cast, A's cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. Welcome to A's Cast Live from the field. It's our special show that we're going to be doing from every game, before every game, Monday through Friday, home or road. I need to make a correction. Marcus Simeon is with us here on A's Cast Live. Thank you for coming over. We always appreciate your time. No problem. And, you know, sometimes when you make a mistake, you got to come in and you, you got to fix it real quick. The bobblehead will not be tomorrow. That is going to be the Saturday after. But as you just reminded me, Marcus, we've got the uh, Chris Davis bat day. That's for Father's Day. So thank you for that as we're, we're get, trying to get our homestand freebies going. All right. No problem. Well, right now for you, I was looking it up. you got a career-high 10-game hitting streak. 
You're hitting 386 during that time, five extra base hits, nine RBIs. You're recently the American League Player of the Week. Just what's going so good for you at the plate right now? Well, I think I'm just uh, catching up to the fastball. You know, that's you know, there's a lot of velocity in this game now, and if you're not on the fastball, then you're gonna have trouble. Uh, then you feel like you have to cheat on the on the fastball, and then you're early on the breaking ball. So that's that's my main key right now, and just doing my homework on who I'm facing, and uh, it's been you know right on point right now. Yeah, the velocity we're seeing, it's record velocity everywhere in baseball. When did you really start to notice that? Did you start seeing it when you were in a Cal, or was it in the minor leagues? It seems everybody everybody coming out of the bullpen now is throwing 97, 98. Yeah, I think it was um, maybe two, three years ago, actually. Just the uh, Even the starters, you know, they're all throwing hard. Uh, the velocity in the bullpen is... You know, it's unbelievable. So you got to be ready for that fastball. Yeah, because uh, it, 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 the guys that we got coming out of the bullpen, you're seeing them, you're seeing them out at shortstop. When you got, you got guys throwing 98, 97. And, and the crazy thing for me is it's just not 98, 97 and straight. You got these guys throwing 97. It's sinking, it's moving, it's cutting. How, I mean, how tough is that as a hitter? It's, it's the toughest time to be a hitter right now because everybody's throwing a two-seam and a four-seam. A four-seam is straight, usually uh, has more life, more ride on it up in the zone. Uh, and then the sinker, is uh, it's running in. If, you're, if it's a righty on righty, it's running in. So as a hitter, you want to know which one you're getting so that you can either get on top of the four-seam or get under the two-seam. But when you don't know which one it is, you're going to have trouble. Yeah, I think about the game in Texas where you had four hits, and that, that was one that impressed me so much because – one of the hits was was a pulled home run, and then three of the hits, including an opposite field home run, went the other way. You were going foul pole to foul pole. Is that when you know you're really feeling it and seeing it, when you're going foul pole to foul pole? Yeah, I mean, that just means that I'm covering the whole plate. You know, I want to stay in the strike zone, but you want to cover the entire plate, 17 inches. Um, if they're throwing you fastballs away, hopefully you can take your base hit to right. If they hang a breaking ball up and in, maybe you can pull it for a home run or a fastball in like, like the one off Lynn, you can pull it for a home run. So that's a good place to be. When I think about you playing every single day, teams don't want people playing every single day. They want you to take a day here and there. What is it, the relationship between you and Bob, that, that, that he allows you to play every day? Well, I think it's just, um, you know, what you do before the game to get yourself ready. And... Um, you know, I'm, I take pride in getting in the weight room and getting my, my work done out during BP um, and just taking care of your body, eating right. Uh, all those things add up to, uh, to me wanting to be out there every day and I feel good. And uh, when you're out there, you're able to produce. You know, the more you're out there, the more chances you have to produce. And that's why I want to be out there every day. And also to be out there every single day, you've got to be able to play with a little bit of pain. And that was one thing. That we knew from Cal Ripken, Miguel Tejada here ha had a great streak going. There's going to be times where you're banged up, and but you're going to play through it. Yeah, I mean, it, right now I feel great, but you're right. When um, you know whether you go to a city where it's really hot and you you, uh, you need to hydrate more or whatever, uh, or you just feel tired from that heat, uh, we're lucky to play here where it's cool. So your body you, your body may be a little colder, but you you're not going to. Uh, exert as much energy in the cool yeah especially like a road trip speaking to that playing in other places texas it's going to be hot you have to deal with the humidity and then you got to go to tampa well you're indoors but now you're playing on the turf and that's not easy on your legs so talk about when you go on the road and how you manage your body because certain places are really tough on you 
Yeah, I think uh, the turf is worse on outfielders, honestly, just because you're standing in that turf. They probably have concrete right under the turf or whatever it is. But for me, I, d I stay in the dirt, so it's not as bad when you go to Toronto or, um, you know, Tampa. So uh, I felt great out there. You know, one thing that, that gets me, you know, as, as we keep score for every single game is Marcus Simeon will be out in right field and you get a ground ball into right field and we have to have put it as a, a shortstop put out. It's mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, he's out in right field. When you started really doing the shifts, was it very odd that all of a sudden now you're playing on the grass and right field? And I mean, what is that like for you? Yeah, it's a little, it's a little odd. Sometimes the, the grass snakes on you a little bit. Uh, you get a little tougher hop. Uh, I've had a, a couple tough ones this year that I haven't made that I was pretty mad about. But it's just, you know, every field's different, so um, you know, get some tough hops. But I think that last year when Jed was here, we we made the decision that I would go deep. Chapman would uh, control the left side because he has the most range, and it's been working out. We just kept it that way with uh, now that Profar is here. And then, what determines your for the for the certain hitter? So for one hitter, you're going to be out in right field. Another hitter, you're going to come in and actually be like you're a second baseman. What makes that determination to put you out in right field? Uh, double play situation. So if there's a runner on first, I'm I'm going to stay closer to the bag and turn the double play and pro's going to stay in the infield. If there's a nobody on or a, a situation where it's not a double play, I'm going to go deep. But most of the time now we've been um, playing straight up with the runner in scoring position because we don't want to get beat on a little ground ball through the left side. Well, that's the thing about Chapman, too, which, you know, noticing just how this game evolves, you know, it, it takes one guy to put down a bunt to all of a sudden make Chapman start to come in a little bit more at, at short, like he's he's a shortstop, but he's playing halfway. I mean, can you talk about the evolution of it, how you, have you, you've watched it change in your career and everybody's doing things differently? Yeah, I think that it, everybody's getting smarter with the shifts now. You're not just shifting no matter what the situation is. You're reading the situation. And you, you know, Like I said, you don't want to give up a, a bunt hit or a, a soft ground ball with a runner on third, and your pitcher's not going to be happy. But... Um, b before it used to just be straight up or shift. Now we're really trying to do our homework on what's the best situation here to shift or not. Uh, do we want to keep a guy in the ballpark by maybe making him hit a, a, a ground ball to the left side instead of pulling a home run? That's That goes into it too now. Who decides whether you shift or not? Uh, between Matt Williams, the infielders, and uh, Kantrovitz, you know, it's all three of those, uh, those people to – determine it and for us as infielders we're out there on the field and we can see their swing the best so uh, we can override it whenever we want have you seen pitchers pitch differently because I, I in my mind i'm like okay i know my infield behind me is doing this but my strength is this might be different right i mean i might be throwing something away where a guy can hit it to the other side chapman's not there at third base have you seen pitchers pitch different when you guys do shift uh, honestly, we adjust to them. So um, you might have noticed if Trinan's out there, we're not shifting much because he's throwing 98-mile-an-hour sinkers to a lefty, and they can hit that ball the other way easier. So I'll stay stay home there. Uh, maybe with Bookter, a lefty, who good fastball away to a lefty. You don't want to shift there either because they're going to hit. I think Fisher got him once. I, I wasn't shifted, but I wasn't over enough. So there's certain guys you need to adjust to to make sure that uh, their strengths are, you know, 
we're, we're playing behind their strengths. And this year now we're seeing shifting for right-handed hitters. Yeah, I feel like I get shifted um, a decent amount. Um, it's, you know, it's not fun. You, you know, you, you want to be able to just see the, the middle wide open, but sometimes it's not there. Yeah, everybody's taught hit back up the middle. Now there's a guy there, so it's changed. You know, we'll get you out of here, but but wanted to ask you about this. As the A's record through 69 games is 35 and 34, the A's record last year through 69 games was 34 and 35. So very similar where you guys are now, the same place you were last year, and then you guys took off. You got you starting to feel that momentum with the team? I think so. I think we're happy to be home in our home park. Uh, it was a long road trip. We actually did pretty well on it, and uh, we were coming off a five-game skid, so I think the momentum is there for us. We've got some reinforcements coming, uh, young pitching. You look at the, the two lefties coming up. Hopefully they're here soon. I can't wait to watch them pitch. Well, you're a class act. We always appreciate it. Good luck right. tonight in this homestand, and uh, keep killing it because right now, um, hey, when you're American League Player of the Week, a lot of things are going good for you, and happy Father's Day to you on Sunday. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank Great you. Great Marcus Simeon joining us here on A's Cast Live as we're getting you ready for the A's and the Seattle Mariners, as it's the start of the longest homestand of the year. It's a 10-game homestand. Now, I've been told that uh, we will talk to Matt Williams coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Want to add to your collection of A's memorabilia but can't make it to the Coliseum? During every weekend home series, the Oakland A's Community Fund will hold a digital silent auction through the MLB Ballpark app. You can bid on rare memorabilia items, including baseballs, jerseys, bats, game-used equipment, and autographed items. Proceeds from the silent auction benefit the Oakland A's Community Fund and its initiatives in the community. Download the app at athletics.com slash ballpark app. Playing in Hero Town? It's only fitting to get your group together to reserve the Budweiser Hero Day. Located next to the right field foul pole, this awesome new space can hold around 100 people and a bunch of home run balls. With an all-inclusive buffet, now is the time to be the hero of your friends and colleagues by grabbing tickets and a cold one for a great day at the ballpark. For more information about the Budweiser Hero Day, visit athletics.com slash premium today. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Now is the time to secure your own terrace table with seating for two or four people to eat, drink, and cheer the A's right from these amazing new half-moon tables. With awesome in-seat ordering and exclusive discounts, this might be the best seat in the house. So grab your friends, family, or coworkers and come out early for a great day at the ballpark. To learn more about the Terrace and some of the other exciting new ballpark locations, visit athletics.com slash premium today. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program, presented by Kaiser Permanente. The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com slash future for more information.
Looking to understand what makes the A's tick? With weekly shows with manager Bob Melvin and general manager David Forst, now you get the inside scoop into the green and gold. Download A's Cast today or head to athletics.com slash podcast to get started. It's time to grab your reserved space in the popular Connie Mack Club. The club space gives your group a private area located in Shibe Park Tavern for the entire ball game. The Connie Mack Club features access to outdoor seating and includes a pre-game buffet filled with our highest-end food package. This area of the ballpark is perfect for 30 to 50 guests to kick back, relax, and enjoy the game. For more information about the Connie Mack Club and other group offers, visit athletics.com groups. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. You know, recently we've talked so much about so many good third basemen in baseball right now. And my next guest, when I was coming up, playing in high school and then going to college, he was one of the premier, if not the premier, third baseman in this game. A five-time All-Star, full-time, four-time Gold Glove winner, World Series champion in 2001. He led the National League in home runs. He led the National League in RBIs. And now he's doing a great job as the third base coach of your Oakland Athletics. Matt Williams, thank you so much for taking the time. I, we got such a cool setup, and I've wanted yeah. to have you on for a while. This is a very cool setup. You know, you get a chance to interact with all the guys, really. And aren't they fantastic? I mean, they're, they're, they're willing to come over and chat for a little while and be part of your show and be part of this city and this this great thing we're trying to put together here. Yeah, it, it, it really is a good group, isn't it? It is. That, you All you ask for as a coach and all that Bob asks for as the manager are willing participants. And they're willing to do whatever it is every day to win. They're willing to work. They're willing to sacrifice themselves for the better of the team. So uh, you can't ask for anything better. You know, I was talking about you on the last uh, road trip where it was in Texas, I saw you go out with the fungo and you're ripping balls down the right field line because it's got that funky right field line. And I'm like, here's somebody who's had such a accomplished career that you've had, but you love to coach yeah. and you love working hard. You've never lost that. No, it's it's part of it. Uh, you know, the, the, the little things within this game are, are really important. So I, I have to understand as a third base coach what that ball does when it goes in the corner and evaluate that and the throwing accuracy and arm strength of the guy who's playing out there, the speed of the runner on the base, uh, where we're at in the game. Uh, all of those things come into play in a split second. So I, I want to be prepared just like these guys want to be prepared. You know, they go out and they take their batting practice, their ground balls. They, they get themselves physically ready to play every day. I have to do the same thing or I'm not uh, holding up my end of the bargain either. And then you've got to know everybody's arm. You've got to know everybody's arm left center right the infielders arms whether you're going to send a guy to the plate like how much video do you watch what do you have to do to get prepared to just know everybody's arm strengths well the first and foremost thing i have to do is is position our guys and understand that uh, who's pitching for us that night what relievers may come in the game what the tendencies of the other offense is and adjust accordingly and then when i get out at third base, it's understanding the athleticism of, of the outfielders, what their arm strength is, their accuracy, and as you said, who's playing in the middle of the diamond. Because if the ball goes in the gap or if the ball goes down the line, that shortstop or that second baseman is going to handle the ball. So all of that comes into play. So during the course of the day, we have every piece of information that you can possibly want, down to video, down to tendencies, metrics, you name it. 
it's all there and available for us. So we try to put that all together and make a game plan as we step on the field and let them swing away. But yet you have to make split-second decisions yeah. based on all of that information you just brought up. And it's the closest thing to playing. You know, you, I've managed, and that's great, and I've, I've coached first base, and that's great. But coaching third is the closest thing you can get to to managing. And the, and the, the fun part about it is that, you know, I get, to, I get a chance to see the, the look on Chappie's face when he's going first to home. And, and that look is that he's going to do everything that he can possibly do uh, to touch home plate before the ball gets there. And that, that's the fun part of it because they're, they're eager, they're aggressive, they're, they're willing. All of those things come into play, and it's, it's fun to be over there and, and interacting with the guys. Chapman's a real special talent. Yeah, I mean, you just think about I mean, he really could play shortstop. Yeah. He's got the incredible arm. He's an incredible athlete. He's so strong and powerful. And I think it's got to be great that you're here, you've been there, you've done that, and that you guys are working together to make him the best he can be. Yeah, I marvel at him. I really do. I, you know, it's, it's one thing to play the position, but the feel that he has for the game, the feel that he has uh, not only uh, on defense but on the bases, um, his feel for what it takes at that particular moment during the course of a game, what we need, it's all there. And, and I, don't, I don't know – you know, we talked about it earlier in the season about, um, you know, what's going to take him to the final level that he needs to get to. Uh, and it, it, we talked about, you know, he made the great play, but sometimes he'd make, make the oops play, right? It would be the normal grounder that, it, that would, the throw would sail high to Ole at first base. We haven't seen much of that this year. So I think he's taken the steps that he needs to take to get to the ultimate level. I don't know if there's anybody better in the game. I watched Arenado for years in the National League. Uh, and I can't say that he's any better than Chappie. Who would you compare him to when you played? Well, a couple of guys. Uh, the aggressiveness, um, it reminds me a lot of Ken Caminiti. Uh, Cammy was ultra aggressive, diving all over the place. Um, and as, as I've seen him more and more, the, the power and the speed and the ability to hit the ball over the fence right-handed reminds me a lot of Scott Rowland. Scotty was a little bit bigger. But, I mean, if, if, if you want to be in, in those guys' company, uh, you're, you're a pretty good player, and I think Chappie is. This team got back to its winning ways when the first baseman came back. Yeah. And we know about his power. But what can you say about a guy who's 6'5", with the wingspan, his ability to pick it as good as anybody in the game? And what does that do to make all the other infielders better? Well, it shortens the field. So Chappie on this corner, Ole on the other corner, uh, shortens the field it, it, it crunches the field a little bit for us because they've got such great range I mean for Ole, Ole for me is a heavyweight that moves like a lightweight um, his hands are quick he's got the ability to be accurate with the ball uh, we've seen him turn the double plays where he, he'll field the ball get the ball to second base before Marcus even has a chance to get to the base so he's leading him on the run and Marcus is able to catch it step on second and return the throw easy to first for that double play we've seen it a million times so he's a heavyweight that work, that moves like a lightweight. And I've been seeing you working with Jerickson Profar, and it's yeah. out there that he's had the issues. What are you working on, and where do you where do you want to see him get to? I want him to feel comfortable first and foremost. Um, you know, everybody's talked about it. He knows everybody's talked about it. He knows what has happened. Um, and comfort level and rhythm and timing are really important for him. So we don't overdo it. We, we make sure that we get our work done. We make sure that he feels comfortable going into the game. And, you know, over the course of the last 
couple of weeks, three weeks. He's turned some double plays nicely. He's he's getting to the point where he's feeling more comfortable with it. Um, you know, and my job in that regard is just to make him feel that he's got his rhythm, that he's got his timing, and he's prepared for that particular game. Marcus Simeon at one point led the league in all of baseball and errors, and now we don't even think about that. Just, just right. he plays every day. He plays hard. He's got he's on a career high hitting streak right now. The American League Player of the Week. He leads by example. What have you seen from Marcus Simeon since you got here? Well, I, I heard things. You know, I, I didn't have, you know, the ability to see it in person for sure, but I heard things. And the first day of spring training when I got a chance to interact with him was that, you know what, that's all done. We're done with that. That's all over with. So Marcus is, is in a mode right now where he has practical practice. So you'll see him, anybody that comes out to the ballpark early and watches our batting practice, it's one thing to take a grounder. Everybody does that. But Marcus works on every situation that could possibly come up during the course of a game. So he takes his ground balls and flips to second base. That's all standard. But he also plays in the hole and makes sure he has that accurate throw and that feel as if we're playing the shift against Albert Pujols or the other way around. Uh, the fact that he's such a great athlete, we send him from shortstop all the way into right field when we play the shift. So the, those, all those things give our pitching staff and our other players comfort level. And he's accepted that responsibility, and I think he's flourishing. I, I think, you know, I, I think that all that stuff is in the past now, and he's able to fluidly play the game, and we can see what he can do. We talked to Marcus earlier, and he mentioned you talking about all the shifting and when to shift, when not to shift. How has that been for you as someone who sets the defense? It's so different where, you, where baseball is going. It's, it's a different game today, that's for sure. It's a game that uh, you know, defense is at a premium. There's so many balls flying out of the ballpark that you have to get the outs you can get. And so it's part of my job. It's part of my job to evaluate that. I work with the front office in that regard, and, and we set that defense that particular day. That being said, they're willing. Mark, I told Marcus, hey, you gotta, we got to shift this guy. It, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He just We do it. And so we're all on the same page. We're all on the same end of the rope, pulling as hard as we can to win. And like I said, those willing participants are – Ultra important. Do you like the record home runs going out right now? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it's exciting for the game, I guess. Um, you know, it's a little different now because of the, all of the defensive metrics that we have where, you know, that, that ball doesn't bounce up the middle very often anymore. So the guys are trying to lift that ball to, to get a base hit and more balls are flying out. So, it, yeah, I mean, does it, is it great? We're a power hitting club, so it probably fits us pretty well. Can you imagine you hitting with this live ball? I don't know, man. Come I, on. I, 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 Come I, on. I just I used to swing hard in case I hit it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're in Arizona playing with this ball. I don't know. I swung and missed a lot, off a lot, too. Oh, you know. you're really good. You were really good. <laughs> hey, let, I, I have people ask me this, and it's an old school question. We'll end on this. I remember when I was a kid going to games in the 70s, they took infield every game. You yeah. had the outfield. You know, you throw to second, throw to third, throw to home. Then – Outfielders have come off, and you do all this stuff on the infield. You used to do that in your career. I did. Fans love watching. You know, I remember Dave Winfield, because I grew up in San Diego. Dave Winfield out in right field for the Padres showing off that arm, right? He right. loved doing it. Yeah. Why do we not do that anymore? I think, well, I think there's a few issues. One, one, we've pushed batting practice back so far prior to the game that there's really no time. So by the time the Mariners get off today, they'll have 35 minutes before the start of the game 
to get in and, and, and get ready and prepared. So they've pushed batting practice back, so it doesn't allow that. Oftentimes you'll see, as, as we were talking before we went on, teams will do it prior to their own batting practice, take the infield early and make sure that they have all their outfielders throw to the bases. Um, the coaching is a little bit different, too. Uh, as an example, during our batting practice, Rhino will hit all the outfielders, grounders, and they'll throw to the bases during the time we're taking batting practice. So the goals are accomplished. Um, it's just not in that formal format anymore. Well, I could talk baseball with you all day long. I appreciate the it. The greatness of Carson City, Thanks. UNLV. Great to see you. And you're a great player and a great coach. Thank you so much for the time. You got it anytime, man. The great Matt Williams right here on A's Cast Live. So we're going to have Dave Sims step in, and we'll just switch him out. Let's not even go to break. We'll just switch him out. Thank you, Matt. Great stuff. Uh, Dave Sims, who long time has called games for the Seattle Mariners, long time has done the, the Coach K show, uh, Coach Krzyzewski, with Duke, and we always love having him on as we've had, we've had him on for years on our A's pregame show. Dave, how are you? Doing well. Good, good to see you, boys. What's going on? Well, we got this new thing called A's Cast Live, and we have this new 24-7 uh, A's channel. We're the only team allowed to do it right now. It's on the TuneIn Network, so we have the ability to have this access that uh, we've never had before. It's pretty crazy. That's uh, good for you. Hey, breaking ground, huh? Well, I a, at some point, this is going to be – Everybody in baseball is going to be doing this. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It's all good, man. So we saw you in Japan, and recently we were up there taking on the Mariners. But uh, things have really changed. I mean, you guys got out to that hot start at 13-2, and two, and since yep. then, rough sledding. Yeah, it has been. And, uh, you know, they said, hey, it's going to be a step back. And, you know, 13-2, and two, you knew that wasn't going to be sustainable for 162 games, obviously. But defensively there have been a lot of flaws we're hitting a ton of home runs yeah. i mean we're right there with minnesota i mean it's it's incredible how many home runs the ball club has hit uh the starting pitching has had a couple of ins and outs and the bullpen of late has has not been as sharp as you would like but uh you know we're seeing signs here and there vogelback looks like he's developing into a power hitter I, you know i had my doubts but you know i tell you what he's got a very discerning eye he's very selective in the pitches he hits and when he hits him he hurts him and uh, that's been a lot of fun watching that. Edwin Encarnacion has been sensational, leads the league in home runs, at least he did yesterday. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. Narvaez has hit way better than we expected. He hit nine home runs last uh, year. He's already, you know, he's going to beat that total by a lot. So, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, the rebuilding process is not pretty. It really isn't. And uh, But these guys, they hang in there. It's a tough-minded group of guys, and, We'll see uh, whatever what, what other moves might be in store uh, from GM Jer uh, Jerry Depoto. Yeah, looking at your guys' game notes, I, I it's like one of those where you sit and you go, "Can this really be right?" There's been a home run hit in every one of your games this yeah, year. Yeah, oh, I believe it, and it's probably I don't know what the numbers in terms of multiple home runs, but we're right up there too. And, and we just left Minnesota, and they're super impressive offensively. And uh, well, we hit it. You know, we're right there with them. It's 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 a lot of fun. Yeah, when I saw how many home runs you guys have hit. And you, you think about 129 home runs, you, you don't think that your record would be 29 and 43. Yeah. But it just shows you how the game has changed so much today. Well, last year, you look at our, our bullpen. We had Colomay in the eighth. We had Diaz in the ninth, and it was pretty much lights out. And uh, that led to a lot of success last year. Uh, we don't have that this year. we got a lot of new guys, uh, guys that have been dropped by, by other teams, kids we're bringing up. And uh, we, we expect to have almost an entirely different crew uh, Maybe second, I put it this way, I'm speaking for myself, could have an entirely different crew the second half of the season because they have a lot of kids that they like down in double A. So we'll see what happens. Uh, 
you know, as we move forward. Well, I, I think about your fan base. I mean, you have one of the best ballparks. There's no question about oh, it. And the you, best. And yeah. you got – you guys have the best food selection of anybody in baseball in the stadium. I, I think there's no question. Yeah, in the stadium, oh, it's ridiculous. It's it's just simply outstanding. And then in a the press room, it's good. But what I, I have to really be careful about, we lead the league in desserts. We have the best desserts in a press room. It's, it's phenomenal. And it's that'll get ab- you in 81 games. Hey, let me tell you something. <laughs> Hold that spot in the gym tomorrow being about 940. <laughs> and, and reserve it for an hour and a half. Got to work it off. When I think about it, you guys did have a good season last year. Yeah, we did. And yeah. that's why I think it's so shocking uh, of where Jerry DePoto wanted to take it. How tough has that been on Mariner fans? Uh, I, I think if you look at the um, the attendance figures, it might speak to that. I, I thought, you know, I was talking to one player who's no longer uh, with our ball club. He thought that, and I did too coming into this season, that, that you know, keep that group together for one more year, maybe add one or two more pieces and then, and if that didn't work out, then go ahead and do a rebuild. While they they decided to go rebuild earlier, so then this is you know this is where we are right now, and uh, you know the, the base was everybody was all fired up. Obviously, 13 and two, so it, it's leveled off right now. What are we? 14, 15 games under 500, and um, so you know you just keep grinding it out. I mean, I, I like. I was asking Scott Service about this earlier today. What? You know, what's the temperature of your ball club? And it's pretty upbeat. I mean, that, that's saying something, be that far under 500 and still come out. And they, they play hard. I, I have to give it to them. They play hard. And the defensive lapses that look like they were just mushrooming like every day have really been calmed down to a, to a pretty great extent. When I think about how our game is changing in front of us. Oh, baby. <laughs> like, I think about where you when you started and where we are today. We've got record home runs. I was talking to Marcus Simeon going, Marcus, how weird is it for you? Sometimes you're out in right field. You're fielding ground balls in right field. Talk about everything, the changes you've seen in this game. I've, I grew up, I'm a 50s, 60s guy. So you know, I watched Mays. I grew up in Philly, so I watched Mays, Aaron, Clemente, that whole group. I mean, it was just a sick time to watch baseball. The Phillies didn't get good till 64. Then they weren't heard from again until the mid-70s. But as a baseball fan, you go and you watch all these guys. And... Yeah, there was a power element, but there was also situ- you know, bunt situations where you got the guy and move him over. And if you had a situation where, like, the first three guys hit home runs, the fourth guy, you knew he was going down. So just be loose. All right, get down, and then, you know, that's ball one. And then dig in and be ready to happen. The shift is, has changed everything. They don't bunt anymore. It's all home run, strikeout, and uh, walks. Simple as that. I mean, it's it's there and three like the last yesterday, we went three hours forty nine minutes for nine innings. The day before we went three fifty. It's like you know, one's a fastball, two's a curve. Let's go! Come on. <laughs> we have sported. I think we had a four hour and thirteen minute for nine six to two nine game, six to two nine innings. It was four hours and thirteen minutes. And you weren't playing the Yankees or the Red Sox. No, we were we were playing here. Oh. I don't remember who we were playing. Um, it's just, it's the game's changed. I mean, I love the game. I love it tremendously. You have to, you know, to stick around as long as we have, you know. But it is different. I mean, I ne- I'm. it's interesting talking to a lot of the other broadcasters. We're all around the same, so many of us around the same age. and grew up at the same time. And we are all pretty much get off my lawn guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, you know, we had a situation. We were in L.A. We played the, the Angels, I think, uh, the start of this trip. Or maybe it was when we were home. I can't remember. But tie game, 3-3. First two guys get on first and second. Uh, we're going to bunt, right? They don't bunt. 
They didn't bunt. It was unbelievable. I think uh, there was a, what was it? Hit into a double play, and then Cole Calhoun hit a home run. Now, I think the other day we had a situation where we got the, I think it might have even been yesterday, got, no, it was two days ago, got the bunt down. First same kind of thing. Close game. First two guys get on late, you know, seventh inning, eighth inning, bunt them over. And they did. I think we scored and uh, got it done. And so, I mean, I, and the other thing, too, I know from my conversations over the years with Rod Crew, if you got a speed guy, got to get an inning going. Or even like Kyle Seeger will do, if he sees the shift way over, if he's starting an inning, he'll, he'll try to lay one down. The speed guys, they got to bunt. They get, you know, Rod Crew says you got to try 10 times a week. Come on, you're going to, you know, you're going to fail sometimes, but try to get on. I mean, it's about scoring. Let's get some runs. Come on. We were in Texas for four games, and Texas will bunt, and it was so odd. It catches you off guard. Precisely. Well, you're, like, you're like, oh, my God, they, they, they actually threw down a bunt. Precisely, and guys don't know how to end. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> a bunt. Yeah, yeah, where are we going? You know, it's one of those kind of things. And, and you put the – and even when if you're expecting it, uh, and even like the contact play, we scored on a contact play yesterday. Um, make a guy make you make a play. You know, and we could, we could do this for hours. Oh, yeah, totally. And get us both in trouble. <laughs> You know, I think about this division and what the Astros, we used to have fun with Twitter, hashtag Lastros. Hey, and, and now they're, oh, boy. Tell, tell me what when, when you see the Astros, what you see with this team as a complete ball club. Well, they beat us, what, I think two out of three last time they were at our place and without their three super premium guys. I mean, uh, uh, the short time, Correa's out, Altuve was out, and Springer's out. And those guys freaking kill us. And we had people saying the same thing when they came over. Oh, we're going to beat up in the Astros. I think. We got worn out for a couple of years. I think last year we actually beat them ten to nine in the season series. We did very well down there. Cano went, Cano went nuts on them. But that man, they are bearing the fruit of those lean years. And you know when you, if you're going to step back, and try to bring in you know big time talent, don't miss. And they haven't missed. And then they make the deal for Verlander, who's just been you know on another planet. I mean that's unbelievable. And their bullpen's good. Uh, what do you call it, uh, what the kid they got from Pittsburgh, um, the big right-hander, Cole, right. Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, like him a lot, so you make a couple of savvy deals to go along with the drafting. They're a monster, and they get, they probably have another good three-year run in them too. And then have you seen the kid, there was it Jordan Alvarez, the big left-handed kid? Yeah. Oh, my God. His second A-B, you know, I get that home run alert thing on Twitter, right? Yeah. So I saw that was his name. So I, I – we hadn't, we hadn't started a game yet, so I, I, I punch it up. And it was everything that A.J. Hinch had told me about. 6'4", six, 6'5", six, great-looking athlete, left-hand hitter. And he hit a bomb that would probably, if it was at this ballpark, would have been up near the Bud Light sign. I mean, it was just stupid. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. He'll be their D.H. He's going to be mashing in there. They're going to they're going to be tough to deal with for a long time. And, and the thing, the way they're doing it where it's less scouts – I mean, they went through their system and said, hey, if you're an old-school guy, you're out of here. And they're doing it differently than yeah. everybody else. And I'm just wondering, you know, cre you know, everything's a copycat league. Are they going to are they, are they going to be changing baseball? Ugh. You know, I'd hate to see all these cats lose a job because I, I have a lot of respect for scouts and what they do and who they are. And I like, I like that human element, man. I want to – I like it when a guy can get his eyes on a guy for a period of time and – as you have it here, you know, I'm pointing to my head, I'm pointing to my heart, and I'm pointing to below my belt. That's what I want to know. And two words, you know, a couple words. Can he play? I mean, the numbers are great to an extent. I, you know, I like, I like some of the numbers that have come in. I'm decidedly old school, and it looks like we're losing that battle. 
But you're right, it's a copycat industry, and if they have mega success doing it that way, you know everybody else is going to jump in. Are you still doing the Coach K show? Oh, absolutely. I'm happy. I didn't call him, but uh, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, who's the, the guard, the backup guard that was with him? Quint, what's his? I'm such a baseball mind right now. Quinn Cook, thank oh, you. Yeah. That was one of his guys got the championship game again. Warrior, that yeah. was good. And I was happy for Kyle Lowry. He's a Philly guy like I am. He went to the same high school my brother went to, and I knew him. I covered a lot of his games at Villanova doing my Big East basketball. Yeah. But you guys have had a great run here. Don't complain. I want to hear it. Five consecutive years in a championship game. I talked to a buddy of mine who's complaining about how the Giants were playing. I said, hey, pal, you got three championships over a six-year period. I'm looking for my first playoff bid since 01. Yes. Don't want to hear it. Well, and I went over it today. Okay, you got the Warriors winning three and five. Right. Go back to the A's in 71 through 75, three and five. There you go. And then the Raiders in the 70s, starting in 73, went to five straight AFC title games and won that Super Bowl against the Vikings. Yeah. So you have, no, you have nothing to beef about. Yeah, let, let's be honest here. It's not like the East hey, Bay has not, hey not had their time. You know what? Enjoy it. Let me <laughs> tell you. I mean, there's people, you know, it's like the old, when uh, if you're old enough to remember when the TV show Lassie used to go off and Lassie would be... <laughs> <laughs> You're begging. I need it. You know, we need playoff, man. We need to get something going. We got a great area in the Pacific Northwest. You know, the Seahawks have been a couple of three Super Bowls. Should have won the, you know, they lose the first one. They, the second one they win. They should have won the third, obviously. Um, so that's important. We need an NBA team back. We'd love to be able to come down here and, you know, mix it up with uh, the Warriors. And, and I mean, that, that's one of the real crimes in our, our lifetime. Seattle losing uh, an NBA team. You think of all the money that's in the Pacific Northwest with Amazon and right. Boeing and Microsoft, and how do you not have an NBA? How do you not have NBA? How do you not have hockey? It makes Hockey's no sense. Coming. It's Hockey's coming, coming, right? Yeah. yeah, I think in a year or two. But uh, that's ridiculous. Cool. Not, and it's such a great basketball region, as you know. And that fan base was fabulous for the Sonics. And I, I think when I, I first got to Seattle in '07. And my man P.J. Uh, Carlismo was coaching them, and I think what they left there after the 07 08 season, I think it was. Kevin Durant's and, first year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it's just tragic. I mean, it's you can, you know, when you look at that story, now you know how old Brooklyn Dodger and New York Giant fans felt back in 57. I mean, it's, it just rips your heart out. It's terrible. No doubt. Hey, my friend, we always appreciate you stopping by. see you by. guys. And uh, thank, you, thank you for coming by. I know you got a game to call, and we always appreciate when you when you, when you take the time out before you got to go do your game. Appreciate it, man. Hey, you, thank you, you so much. Welcome. You're Good the best. Here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Coming up next here on A's Cast Live, we are going to talk with the GM of your Oakland Athletics. David Force is going to be here for the David Force Show right here. A's Cast Live, powered by TuneIn. Looking to understand what makes the A's tick? With weekly shows with manager Bob Melvin and general manager David Forst, now you get the inside scoop into the green and gold. Download A's Cast today or head to athletics.com slash podcast to get started. Looking to take A's Cast on the road with you on your next jog or road trip? Head over to athletics.com slash podcasts and you can download episodes of Taking Effect, Green and Gold History, A Season on the Road, and more. Visit athletics.com slash podcasts today. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program, presented by Kaiser Permanente. The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. 
Visit athletics.com future for more information. Who doesn't love a good happy hour? The Cornerstone gives your group a unique happy hour experience. The area treats up to 40 to 50 guests with a package that includes food and beverage along with an intimate pregame experience. Plus, the experience comes with an awesome seating option that we can build to fit your needs. To learn more about the Cornerstone and other unique group experiences, visit athletics.com groups. Athletics.com groups. Playing in Hero Town, it's only fitting to get your group together to reserve the Budweiser Hero Deck. Located next to the right field foul pole, this awesome new space can hold around 100 people and a bunch of home run balls. With an all-inclusive buffet, now is the time to be the hero of your friends and colleagues by grabbing tickets and a cold one for a great day at the ballpark. For more information about the Budweiser Hero Deck, visit athletics.com premium today. It's time to grab your reserved space in the popular Connie Mack Club. The club space gives your group a private area located in Shibe Park Tavern for the entire ball game. The Connie Mack Club features access to outdoor seating and includes a pre-game buffet filled with our highest end food package. This area of the ballpark is perfect for 30 to 50 guests to kick back, relax, and enjoy the game. For more information about the Connie Mack Club and other group offers, visit athletics.com groups. Hey kids, have you ever wanted to run the bases like your favorite A's player? Well, here's your chance. Children ages 14 and under can come onto the field following most Sunday home games and race around the bases with A's mascot Stomper there to cheer them on. Make sure to pack your running shoes so you can show off your speed. Race Around the Bases is brought to you by the Oakland A's Community Fund. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. One and and Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Goal for Yelich! Tony Bellinger hits one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. It is time now for the David Force Show right here on A's Cast Live. And David, is this the best studio set you could have? <laughs> this is a lot roomier than where we were a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, what a great, you just sit here, watch BP, you get to see everything that all the players are working on. We had the A's here earlier. And now we have the Seattle Mariners. Marcus Simeon stopped by. Matt Williams stopped by. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. No, you got a good piece of real estate, and it's cooled off nicely. A few days ago, we would have been roasting out here, but uh, we got some nice East Bay weather now. Uh, tell us about Stephen Piscotti, and you know how is he doing right now? Stephen's doing well. I, uh, I texted with him last night after his surgery. He was in good spirits. I know Nick Pepperest, our head athletic trainer, talked to him today, doing well, and, and we're hoping to see him tomorrow but uh, obviously uh, a serious thing anytime you're talking about cancer Stephen had a, a melanoma identified on his ear when he went to the dermatologist and uh, wanted to get it taken care of as soon as possible so he had the surgery yesterday and uh, it'll be a matter of days hopefully before he's able to play but uh, we're glad he's gotten taken care of yeah that that, that is great news um, 
So you got your first rounder signed, Logan Davidson. That's always good, right, to make sure that gets that, that gets done and get him starting his career. Logan will uh, will be taking his physical next week. Nothing official yet. I know there are reports out there, but uh, he'll come in sometime next week to take his physical, and once uh, we check all those boxes, it'll be great to get him out playing. Okay, once you check those boxes, where do we think he may, <laughs> may be playing for our fans to – be following the start of his career i would think the folks in burlington vermont will get the first look at him okay good good yep. uh, i never thought tuesday in stockton would be so big <laughs> it was a popular outing yeah a bunch of us from the office went out there it was a good chance to see those guys and uh and mr puck and mr lizardo made a cameo appearance it was fun to see and we got the velocity readings on the road and it was like wow yeah it was impressive aj's first four pitches all 99 miles an hour Jesus was up to 98, sitting around 96, and uh, they looked great. I mean, there's there's still a long way to go for them, um, but they uh, they did everything you want from a first outing. So Bob Melvin said this to me, and I think he can say it because his career numbers against Randy Johnson were huge. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. I, I've heard that once or twice from Bob. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, he was with them with the Diamondbacks when they won the title. Right. So I think he knows Randy Johnson well. When he actually compared Puck to Randy Johnson, I was like, really? I mean, do, do you feel that way when you see him? Yeah, it's hard not to make the comparison. I mean, you look at the guy, the long hair, he's 6'9", 6'10", whatever he is. I mean, that is the natural comparison. And Bob brought, bought, excuse me, Bob brought Randy in to camp a couple of years back when A.J. was in his first big league camp. He asked Randy to come talk to him just because there's so many things unique to that body type and uh, the delivery. Um, but, man, when he's out there pumping 99, you, you, you definitely think Randy Johnson out there on the mound. And he comes from a football background. His father, his uncles, his one uncle played here at Stanford. A couple of them played in the Big Ten. I can't wait to talk to him about that. I know he played quarterback, but obviously he comes from that football pedigree. Yeah. So you're not only are you getting – a guy that's got the talent, you're kind of getting that tough guy to go with it. Yeah, hopefully you get that you get that Midwest mentality. You know, he went to school down in Florida, but he's from the Midwest, and uh, he's worked his butt off through this rehab. Everything's gone great, and uh, we're excited. He's got a couple more outings with Stockton. We'll probably move him slowly. you got to stick with that protocol after they come off, you know, surgery, but he's doing really well. Jesus Lazardo has proven to us he can pitch at this level. Yeah. So, obviously, he's different from Puck. So... Where are you with him, and as he throws well and feels better, to get him up here to help this team this season? You're absolutely right. He is different from AJ. I mean, with a, with a Tommy John surgery, the orthopedist sets out this you know 12 to 14 month schedule. Guys got to work up to pitches. Jesus had you know a shoulder injury in spring training, but he's rehabbed. He you know he legitimately had a chance to make this club out of the spring. So he was, he was stretched out all the way up to five innings. So he's going to move quicker. And, um, you know, Jesus will probably get to Vegas here soon. Again, work up. He threw three innings the other day. We'll work him to four, five, six innings. And, you know, once he's throwing nine to 100 pitches, uh, he's absolutely a candidate for this team, I would think. Is there a potential for him to come out of the bullpen? I know we don't want him to start long term, but is there a potential like I think like David Price did years ago with the Rays? I don't see Jesus in that role right now. I, I think we're early enough in the season. I mean, look, we're we're in June, but we're, we're, there's still a chance, like I said, to stretch him out, to have him get his innings. He had 110-plus innings last year. We don't have to worry about that at this point. He can give a full starter's workload, so I think we see him that way. That's good to hear. So it could be pretty quick. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if your definition of quick is the same as mine or <laughs> the same as the fans. Oh, the fans want him here today. Right. Well, they wanted to hear him <laughs> April. <laughs> that was their definition of quick. But, uh, no, nah, he's – look, we're going to make sure he's healthy, make sure he gets that pitch count going. But uh, the way he threw the ball the other night, you know, like you said, he's, he's proven he can be here. You know, it's so interesting looking at the numbers. Here's a simple number, wins and losses. This year you're 35 and 34. Mm -hmm. Last year at this time you're 34 and 35. That's pretty close. It's amazing yeah. kind of like these. It, it, and last year the team just went off. Are you feeling that way about this team now? Well, look, I think Bob said it after the the game in Tampa the other day. He said, look, we, we're we happy with where we are. I mean, some of the things we've, we've faced and some of the games we could have won and um, you know, I think we're pretty happy to come away from a 6-4 and four road trip and be a game over 500. Now, obviously, we still have some work to do with the teams ahead of us, but uh, we're playing well. Our starting pitching has held up really well. Those guys did a great job, particularly on this road trip. Um, you know, the bullpen, a couple nice games there to end the road trip, and, uh, and I think we're going to hit our stride here offensively like we usually do in the summer. So I, I think everybody in there has a good feeling right now. The road trip from hell. Look, we, we, <laughs> I texted Bob after the game. We absolutely made lemonade out of lemons because you talk about the, the late night getaway, the delay in Texas, doubleheader starting that game late, the broken plane. I mean, there were a lot of things working against us. And to come away with a six and four trip, beating Tampa two out of three in their place. Uh, pretty good sign all around. And Tampa's a very good ball club, and we got to see that, and we're going to see him on this homestand. And you mentioned the getting out of Anaheim late, and I know Artie Moreno has made it public that they make a lot more money at night than they do day games. It's actually an article was done earlier this year in the L.A. Times, but baseball teams have to not be happy. I mean, this is like, come on, really? Yeah. You're playing the getaway day night games? I mean, if they're doing that to everybody, I now know that other teams are now doing it to them. It's just like, that just doesn't seem right. No, you're right. It's a tough situation. And, and there are guidelines laid out in the CBA, and it just, unfortunately, they're not strict enough because if you can end up with a 7 o'clock game on the West Coast, basically our guys got to their hotel rooms at 5 a.m. in Texas. It's, it's effectively a red eye. Uh, and then we had another red eye going to Tampa because of the plane issue. Uh, yeah, it's brutal. I mean, look, these guys, they're traveling first class. It's great, but th it's a lot of work. I mean, these guys, they're on the move. They're in different time zones. So we need to do the best we can to make things comfortable for them. Mickey Morabito was the star of the trip. Without a doubt. Well, you know, we had a couple guys save some games late. But sure, yeah. <laughs> sure let's, give it, let's give it to Mickey. Uh, no, he does an incredible job. I know uh, Bob got the, uh, the cake made for his birthday on Monday and, uh, yeah, Mickey's been doing this longer than most of us have been around, so he deserves a lot of credit. And you talked about your bullpen, and it's just shocking to see the numbers because the stuff is still the same. Yeah. I mean, that stuff has not changed for Trinan or Trevino, but when you look at the numbers, it's just puzzling. What are you seeing? What are you guys seeing, especially w w with the data that we don't get to see? Yeah, it, look, it's, it's the basic stuff. It's, it's the stuff you talk about with any pitcher. It's fastball command. It's throwing secondary pitches for strikes just to keep hitters off balance. And, you know, if you have a night, even if you're throwing 99, if you go out there and the hitters don't have to think about anything other than a fastball, Major League hitters can hit 99. So I, I think these guys, you know, you talk about Lou and Blake specifically. Those guys have done a good job making adjustments. We saw it over the course of the road trip. Blake still has that power sinker. I mean, I go back to the beginning of the trip, the two pitches he threw to Mike Trout down and in, 97. The best player in the game is swinging over that pitch. You know how effective it is. So it really comes back to the basic stuff because the velo is there. The mechanics are the same as what we've seen. 
Um, and when they get the swings and misses, these guys are just as good as they've ever been. So it's good to see them make adjustments. It's great to see a guy like Liam step up and really pitch well in that seventh, eighth inning role. I mean, his velo is taking a big spike. He's, he's really confident out there, and Bob feels like he can throw him late in games. So um, you just you need the other guys to step up in the meantime, and we've seen that. And how about Lou? Sometimes you're just unlucky because the one outing in Texas – would be the last game where two of the guys where he gave up the big hits, it, 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 he got down 2-0. But then two of the hits were infield hits where guys just weren't there. It's like sometimes you just get unlucky. Exactly. Yeah. If you, if you didn't have, if you didn't have bad luck, you wouldn't have any luck at all, is what they say. So yeah, you, you know you got to take those things into account. And um, I mean, we we understand the process. And yeah, you give up soft hits. At the end of the day, those things are all going to even out. Two players that you have right now that are red hot. First, Marcus Simeon, a career-high 10-game hitting streak. He was the American League Player of the Week. He's driving the baseball. He's hitting it out to left. He's hitting it out to right. I just, what have you been seeing with your shortstop who plays every day and does never want to take a day off? No, he doesn't, and the consistency is outstanding. It's such such a nice thing for Bob to have him in the lineup every day and, and to ride him in the leadoff spot too, which isn't something we necessarily were counting on coming into this year because, you know, in the past, Marcus, he's hit up there versus lefties. He's moved down versus righties, but he's shown this year he can be consistent against both. He's in there every day. He is uh, you know, he's our sort of Iron Man, so to speak. I mean, he's out there every day. So it, he gives a big lift to guys and to Bob knowing that, that he can be there every every single day. And then Ramon Laureano at one point had the longest on base streak. He had the longest hitting streak. We know how fabulous he is on defense. It's like the offense is starting to catch up to the defense. Yeah, he's made some great adjustments. And a lot was sort of said and written early on about Ramon's struggles offensively, the league sort of adjusting to him and, uh, obviously seeing a lot of off-speed pitches, but uh, this, is a, this is a kid who, who wants to work and, and wants to study it. He, he asks a lot of questions, actually about both offense and defense. He wants to be great, and you've seen the adjustments he's made. Like you said, the on-base streak uh, came up with a, just a huge grand slam the other day after you know that seventh inning got away from us a little bit. We had the 2-0 lead, a ball that he probably thinks he should have caught there in short center field, and he comes comes around and makes up for it and then some with the Grand Slam. Yeah, he had two of those on the trip, one in Anaheim and one in Texas. Tough plays, yeah. but I like both guys, Robbie Grossman and Ramon Laureano. They, they say, hey, I'm a, I'm, a professional I'm a professional athlete. I'm a professional outfielder. I should catch those balls. Without a doubt, yeah, and Ramon, uh, no, like I said, Ramon wants to be great, and he's got the skills to make those plays. We've seen him go back to the wall. We've seen him run down balls in the gap. Um, so he thinks he should catch everything. The game has changed in so many ways, but one of the changes this year is the trading deadline. We have a hard deadline, the waiver wire process where people maybe didn't get a deal done thinking, well, maybe I'll wait into August. Mm -hmm. Are you starting to see more chatter earlier now because of that hard deadline? I think this is about the time you would have seen it anyways, and you are, you know, you're checking in with clubs now, and it, Really, everybody waits until after the draft, which is sort of how it's always been. I, I do think the intensity will pick up a little earlier than normal. I mean, just last year, we talked to the Tigers about fires before the deadline, tried to get something done, but when we couldn't, we knew we still might have an opportunity, and we got Mike in August. That's not going to happen this year, so I think you'll see the intensity pick up. But, uh, yeah, we're about that time. We're six weeks out, essentially, from the deadline and uh, teams are going to start looking at what they need or what you know what they might want to move. I'm glad you brought fires up because 
your strategy is different this year. Have you thought of, I mean, as someone's making deals, have you thought about that, how, how you're going to change? Yeah, I, I don't know that anything changes now. I, I Again, I think that when that deadline is on you, I think it's more of, you know, kind of make or break at that time. There, there is no sort of safety net. You always had that. And you figure, hey, you better know what your team is going into the last couple of weeks before the deadline. And you better be willing if you, you know if you're in a position like we hopefully will be to add. You better know what you're willing to give up to add to the big league club. And you mentioned that the draft. Wait until after the draft. Do we need to move the draft from a standpoint of? I mean, these kids are at the college. They're playing and they're playing in the regionals. Yeah. And all of a sudden, people are yelling down the stands. Hey, you were drafted in the fourth round. <laughs> you know, we we're talking about UCLA had all these guys drafted. It clearly affected them. Should they move the draft, I don't know, before or after? How do you think it should be done? That's a tough one, and, and it's something we've discussed in, in meetings for years now. The scouting directors are talking about it. There's no great time. I mean, we, uh, we have these short-season leagues that play during the summer. you got to fill out your Vermont roster, your Arizona roster, and it's, it's the best time of year to add kids. Now, that said, it's, like you said, it's not great for them. I mean, the high school and college kids are just finishing up their seasons, um, it ends up being a super long year for them. If you started college baseball February 15th and you're going to go through instructional league in October, it ends up being a really long first year. So it's, it's not ideal. I'm just not sure what the alternative is because you do have these summer teams. If, if, guy, if you, you did it in the offseason, you know, you're interrupting college and high school academic years. It's tough. There's not there's not a great solution, but I, I know MLB's looking at it. Yeah, we'd love to have a combine. Right. That's the one thing we can't have. I mean, we've done so much better at getting medical information, at getting to know these kids. We we are behind the NFL and the NBA on that combine because you just you can't pull the kids together. If you did it in January, February, you then they go out and play a whole season. A lot of your information is old as soon as they step on the field. Great stuff. We appreciate it every right, single Chris, week. Thanks for having me out in the sun. A long 10-game <laughs> homestand. Let's uh, make some hay here. Thank you so much, David. All right. We appreciate it. David Force Show right here on A's Cast Live. This is the only place you can get the GM of your Oakland Athletics as we're getting you ready for A's baseball. A's are starting a 10-game homestand, the longest of the season. And I know I gave out some misinformation a little bit earlier. Not this Saturday. It's next Saturday is going to be the uh, bobblehead for Matt Olson. Tonight's the fireworks. Sunday is Father's Day. And that would be the Chris Davis bat day. And then Matt Olson and the gold glove will be the week after that. So now I got it right. It's an absolute beautiful day here in the East Bay, as really, for uh, so many people, baseball season really is now going to take off for you. It's been a real luxury that here in the Bay Area, we've had the Golden State Warriors have these great runs. And I, as I've said on post-game shows, be relevant once the Warriors are done, because then now it all changes. Now people start focusing. Kids are out of school. We start focusing really on baseball again in the Bay Area. And, yes, the A's are relevant at 35 and 34. And they really need to start making some hay here just like they did last year. So it's a season-high 10-game homestand against the Mariners, the Orioles, and really, and nothing against these guys right here, the Seattle Mariners or the Orioles, but both these teams stink. They are not good. 
it's important that the A's take care of these first six games. Because then after that, here comes the Tampa Bay Rays, and I can tell you, the Rays can play. Matt Williams said it. Hey, the Rays, they keep bringing people up. They keep taking people's players, and next thing you know, they turn in to a juggernaut. And they're a team that is something that you really, you really have to worry about. And now the A's just did a phenomenal job taking two out of three from the Rays. But when you look at the Rays at 41 and 27, they're just a half game back of the New York Yankees who are 41 and 26. So this is going to be a great homestand. And just like last year at this time is when the A's started to turn it around. That's what needs to happen. History can repeat itself. All righty, we're going to have Alex Jensen. Are we going to have Alex Jensen, A's all night coming up here? And that will give me time to get up to the treehouse as I will, have, uh, I will have A's total access for you. It's Marco Gonzalez up against Chris Bassett. A's and Mariners coming up right here on A's Access. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.